Father God, we recognize that none of the rest of this time together will make any sense without your presence. So, Father God, may your spirit fall on this place. May you use it to illuminate scripture before our eyes. And God, may you change us by it. God, we want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. We want to be led by you. And so, Father God, move us so that we can hear from you. Lord, speak to us deeply. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Somebody asked me the other day, what is the story of Jonah about? I mean, we could make Jonah the central figure. The book's named after him. But I don't even believe he's the central figure. Some people think it has to do with this great fish, which I want to give you my definition of what this fish is. Because I think that there's a miss in Scripture. We make this instantly a whale because it's the only thing that we can give clearance to. But what if in the beginning... God created a fish that was for one purpose, to go swallow Jonah. What if that's his only purpose on the planet? And what if after that, his life ended? What if that fish, that was the whole purpose? And we've been searching ever since to figure out, can a man survive in a whale? Here's the answer to that. No. If you get swallowed by a whale, you, you die. Because a whale will smash you with his innards. So what if this is a fish unlike any other fish in history? What if this fish was made perfectly so a man could be swallowed and not die? Anybody else catch the similarities, by the way, of the fact that Jonah would be in a whale how many days? Three. And how many was Jesus in for? Interesting, huh? You see, because God was weaving a story long before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. And he's trying to show people that Jesus was superior. So I don't even think it's about a fish. In fact, I don't even think it's really about Nineveh. For those of y'all that are Bible scholars and have read ahead, you realize that although Nineveh at this point in the story repents, they don't stay that way, do they? And so God was going to bring judgment on Nineveh. So it wasn't about Nineveh either. So what is this really about? I believe this is all about Lindsay's story. The reckless love of God for people. And he was willing to send someone he knew would never want to go. To a people that no one wanted to go to. And he would show them that God's love was bigger than anything. Even bigger than the guy that should have had it together than the guy that should have won this story, the guy that really we should have put in a spotlight of someone who was courageous. He should have been mentioned in the terms of people like Daniel, who faced a lion's den. But he, he's not, is he? In fact, if you read the story of Jonah, you realize he's one of the few prophets that we get in Scripture that it has nothing to do with his message, has everything to do with his disobedience. And so we capture this tale of someone that knew what they should have done, ran from it, was brought back to it, and still in the end did not like what God was doing. And maybe, just maybe, the story of Jonah is really about us. Because along the way, we know what we're supposed to do when it comes to faith. 
We know what we're called to do. We know the people we're called to speak to and minister to and love on. But through all of that, we have missed the moment that we should have captured. You see, it looks a little bit like this. For those of y'all that are basketball fans, you know this name, Stephon Curry. I mean, he is one of the elite basketball players of this generation. But see, three years into his career, he didn't make a big splash. He was simply just a basketball player. He was good. But here's what happens. Right out of college, he gets a contract with this brand of shoe. Maybe you've heard of it, Nike. Nike offers him little money. They want him to wear their shoes, and he does for three years. At the end of those three years, they come back to the table to negotiate again with Stephon Curry. They meet him at the practice facility there at Golden State. They sit down with him and his dad, and and they have a a, a video screen up, and they're going to show him slideshows of how they're going to engage his brand. Here's the problem with this story. Stephon's dad was also an NBA player, and a good one. And he had been reading the newspaper about all these other contracts that guys were getting. And so he knew the money associated with it. And so they walked in and they handed both Curry men a a little brochure of how much money was going to be associated with this deal and and how they were going to show them that they were a class like no other. So with all this happening, they, they present the amount of money first. And it doesn't look like all the other contracts. It's small. Again, Stefan hadn't really proven himself at this point. He was a gamble for them. And then they started the slideshow. They showed him the shoes they were thinking about. And then they went to the next slide. And as it came up, it said, the future shoe of Kevin Durant. They didn't even change the name on the slide from the last presentation they had made. Okay, quick show of hands in the room. How many in this room have ever owned a Nike shoe? Go ahead. You can raise your hand in church. It's all right. Yeah, okay. So in that amount of time, we all know who Nike is. They're they're not a fly-by-night company at this point in history, right? But they didn't have enough forethought or time to change the name on the slide to Stephon Curry. At this point, you can just imagine what Stephon's thinking. He just shakes his head and As they end the presentation, they slide the paperwork towards him. Let's sign. Stefan slides it back and he says, guys, I'm going to have to take time to think about this. The very next day, a new company that was really trying to dig their teeth into the market. I mean, they they had had some success, but not real success at this point. Uh, Maybe you've heard of them, Under Armour. At this point in their history, they were known, but not really well known. And they came in and didn't have all the fancy stuff. They just looked at Stefan and said, listen, we believe you're the future. And here's the amount we want to give you. And it was twice what Nike was offering. Stefan signs on with one condition. It was one of the conditions that Nike wouldn't meet either. That inside the tongue of his shoe was a quote. I can do all things. It was his favorite verse. Anybody know the end of that verse? Through Christ who strengthens me. It was Stephon's verse. He grew up a person in church and he loved the Lord. Nike wouldn't touch it. Under Armour gave it to him and then printed it through the rest of his shoe line. So kids in the mall could go get their own version of Stephon's shoe. 
the head and the tongue, I can do all things. Now, here's what happens. Under Armour at this time didn't have much of anything, but their stock grew by four times within the year. A company that was making it, but just not really, became a competitor with Nike. By the way, number one shoe ever sold in the nation is Michael Jordan's, right? Still to this day, Nike holds on to the Air Jordan brand. Number one selling shoe. Number two, Steph Curry's Under Armour. Isn't that amazing? Nike missed their moment. And Under Armour engaged it. And in this moment in our story, as Dale led off, and thank you, Dale, for leading off in such a way, it was awesome. We, we get that Jonah had a moment to embrace his story. He should have been a piece of history. He should have been a piece of a puzzle that could have changed the known world. Imagine for a moment if the capital of Assyria was won over to Christ. If the very groundwork of God being the Father was won over to these people in Jonah's time. And so God finds an unlikely hero in Jonah, an ordinary man, a prophet. And he simply tells him, I need a favor. I need you to go to a place you hate, to a people that you hate, with a story you're going to hate. And what did Jonah do last week? You remember? He, he ran. Because that's always a good option when it comes to God. Because if you can run from God, you've really got something going on. I remember when our kids were growing up, I had one child, I won't mention who they are, that when they were in trouble, they ran. As a parent, you realize this becomes hunting season. Because <laughs> the one child that won't run and just cries about their discipline is not fun. You're like, I don't want to discipline you. You're already grieving. But the kid that runs and screams, you're like, hunting the kiddos, hunting the kid, right? It's, it's like a game then. But see, this is exactly what Jonah thought. He believed that if he could run, that God couldn't find him. There's this old ancient Mesopotamian tale of a, a merchant in Baghdad who sent his servant into the marketplace for provisions. Soon afterward, the servant came into his home again, trembling and white-faced, and he told him that as he was in the marketplace, he was jostled by a woman who he recognized as death. He asked his master, can I have your horse? I'm going to run away to Samaria. And there death will never find me. The merchant agreed and the servant went off some 75 miles away. The merchant went into the marketplace and he found death. And simply said, why did you make a threatening gesture towards my servant? She replied, that was not a threatening gesture. It was only a start of surprise. I was astonished to see him in Baghdad, for my appointment was in Samaria. I believe this with all of my heart, that we can believe with all we want, that God doesn't know where we are, or who we are, or what our thoughts are. But we would be incorrect. God knows us. Amen. Did God know that Jonah would run? Yes. So why send Jonah? That may be what you're wondering. Because let's flip the story. What if you are a person 
that's in Nineveh. What you're hoping with all your hopes that something would change for you in your state. And you heard that Jonah was being sent to you. Wouldn't that story change a little bit? We don't get that side of the story. I don't believe anybody in Nineveh was waiting for a prophet. But certainly God sent Jonah for a reason. He could have chosen others. Certainly there are other prophets that were contemporaries with Jonah. Prophets before, prophets afterward. But he chose Jonah for a specific reason, and I believe he chose it because of us. I think of all the people that God could have chosen, he chose us to go to Nineveh. Because none of us likes going to things that we don't like. We would all like to be prophets for churches that all agree with us. None of us wants to be a prophet for a region that does not. In fact, we've conditioned ourselves, haven't we? To hate the people that hate us. I mean, think of it in terms of how we talk. We, we tend to believe that all of the Middle East needs to go down because they've harmed us, and they have. But we condition ourselves to say they all have to go because if they don't go, the next generation is going to come back and do the same because that's history. But what did Jesus say? He says, anybody can love their friends. But I tell you to love your enemies. It was a new way of thinking. It was a new way of doing things. And this Jesus was in the beginning. Which means Jesus is a part of Jonah's story. Here's how I know this. God the Father speaks to Jonah. Who hears it? Jesus does. And when Jesus comes, and maybe this verse will stick with you today. He shows up, and in John 3, 16, what does Jesus say? For God so loved the world, which included Nineveh. Jesus is pretty revolutionary, isn't he? See, you picked a guy like Jonah. And before we get to his story today, I want you to see for just a moment, because today we're going to talk about how do we get through this fish story? How do we make it through this next season of Jonah's life? Because I believe there's something that happens in the belly of this fish that is something we all need to learn today. And to get there, we need to start in Psalms 139. Psalms 139. I'm going to open my Bible. You can open yours with me. It's always right down the middle. Psalms 139. We're going to start at the first verse says this, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You're aware of my ways before a word is on my tongue. You know all about it, Lord. You've encircled me and you have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me. It is lofty and I'm unable to reach it. So where can I escape your spirit? Where can I flee your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Shiloh, you're there. If I live in the eastern horizon or settle in the western limits, even there your hand leads me, your right hand will hold on to me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, the light around me will be, will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night shines like the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I am remarkably and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know this very well. My bones 
are not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. And all of my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God, how difficult your thoughts are for me uh, to comprehend, how vast the sum is. I count on them that outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. God, if only you would kill the wicked, your bloodthirsty men stay away from me. You invoke you deceitfully. Your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you and detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them my enemies. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. Psalms 139, I want to give you some thoughts from it, so let's start. Number one, the Lord knows our outcomes. The Lord knows our outcomes. It says so here, you've searched me and you know me. You know where I sit down and where I stand up. God knows our outcomes. The next, the Lord knows your thoughts. He knows your thoughts. That's that's a hardship for us because we believe that we can think how we want to think and God won't know. God knows your thoughts. He not only knows your outcomes, he knows your thoughts. And here's the next, the Lord sees you wherever you are. He sees you. He knows your story. Here's the craziest part about that. The Lord knows the end of your story. And he's seeing your current part of your story. The Lord knows you. Here's the next, the Lord made you. He made you. He formed you. Even your bones today aren't hidden from God. Isn't that amazing? Like the Lord knows your very DNA. He created you and he knows you. And here's the next. The Lord has a plan for you. He has a plan for you. He created you. He knows your thoughts. He watches where you go and he has a plan for your life. So with all of this being known in Psalm 139, these are David's thoughts, and he was a broken man. He was a sinful man. He was tossed back and forth. We can agree that we all have kind of some David moments. Now let's look at Jonah's life. Knowing that God knows our very DNA, knowing that he knows our story, knowing that he knows where we go, and knowing that he knows the outcome of our lives. Let's look at Jonah chapter 2. You see, this is about to change Everything about the next few moments, I believe in Scripture together. Because I believe with all of my heart that we too often see Jonah's story and we say, woe is him, instead of woe is us. Jonah is a story that we need to capture today because it encapsulates our hearts. At this point in our story with Jonah, Dale mentioned this last week, he has now fled, he has run, and now he is in the belly of this fish. And Jonah chapter 2 verse 1 says this, Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. I called out to the Lord in my distress, and he answered me. I cried out for help in the belly of Shalol. You heard my voice. You threw me into the depths, into the heart of the seas, and a current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me. But I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The waters engulfed me up to my neck. The watery depths overcame me. Seedweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundations of the mountains, and the earth with its prison bars closed behind me forever. You can just capture this moment, can't you? 
Any of y'all ever been underwater a little bit too long and you wait to just come up out of the water so you can take that breath? At this point, Jonah's giving you as vivid as he can how deep he has gone in the waters and where his mind was going. At this point, he believes he is about to die. And justfully so. He knows why he's about to die. And so as he's plummeting down, it says this, But you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. My life was fading away. I remembered Yahweh. My prayer came to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forsake faithful love. But as for me, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving. I'll fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation is from the Lord. And then it says this, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is one of those prayers in Scripture that I've come across a few times that, that I think Jonah may have missed. You see, in the belly of this fish, Jonah has this moment. And I think we all have belly of the fish moments in our lives, and they don't all look like fish in the bottom of an ocean. Too often they look like emotional problems, uh, relationship issues, financial burdens. They, they look so different than a fish in water. But they happen to us. And in those moments, we have these prayers. We start to say to God, if you will do this, I will do that. And listen, God knows us. He knows our thoughts. He knew exactly what Jonah was going to do and not going to do, even while he was in the belly of the fish. How much does God love Jonah? I would make a lousy God for Jonah. I would not have brought a fish. I would have brought piranhas or a shark or the Meg. Anybody seen that yet? Sinners. Anyways, um, but do, do you catch that moment? Like, that's me and that's you, right? You know why? Because when we have somebody that wrongs us, we like to wrong them right back. Because it's justice. Because we, we feel just, and here's what's more, if I was God in that moment and I sent the piranha meg, y'all would applaud. Y'all would be like, yes. He's a good God. I like that guy. I'm not going to cross him, but I like him. Because we, we dislike villains. And in this moment, Jonah's kind of a villain. I mean, here's a people that should see the hand of God and the forgiveness of God, and he's not doing it. No, I'm not doing it. You ever seen a kid like that? I saw one the other day at Walmart. I wanted to send piranhas then too, by the way. Don't judge. Y'all are with me. When the mom says, hold on to the cart, and the kid goes, no. And the mom goes, I said, hold the cart. And the kid goes, no. And the mom goes, okay. I don't want to send piranhas for the kid. I'm like, God, if you can make piranhas walk and catch that mama, um, you do your thing, God, right? Anybody with me? No, just me? Okay. Um, but y'all catch this moment. We dislike villains. And in this moment, the villain is in the belly of a fish. What we say is, die and send the next guy. 
Like, there's got to be a better prophet than Jonah. Send that guy. But that is not God's plan for Nineveh. God's plan for Nineveh is Jonah. You ever wondered what it looked like to come out of the belly of a fish? Like, it never says in this story that Jonah was not harmed. You ever catch that? What if, and this is Corinthians, don't read this in the scripture, this is Corinthian version. What if Jonah is never the same? What if from then on, he always smelled fishy? What if when that fish swallowed him, he left with a limp? What if Jonah still had seaweed hanging from his hair? It was around his head. What if he just wore it like a headband? And he's walking through Nineveh. We'll catch this in the next, next Sunday. Preaching. But he just came from the belly of a fish. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. That's not a common thing. You just see Peter and the disciples say, yeah, I was swallowed by a fish too one day. It happened to me. Just like Jonah. It didn't happen. And so what's happening in Jonah's life is crazy amazing. But I believe all along, God knew that Jonah would run. So let's talk about that. Number one, a cargo ship went out because Jonah was coming. It it was going out. Jonah just happened to get on board a cargo ship because that happens too. A bunch of cargo men see a guy run up and say, hey, are y'all going somewhere? Yeah, where are you going? Doesn't matter. Uh, Let me get on. And what's more is they let him sleep instead of work. That happens all the time, right? How about this one? A storm came up because Jonah was on a boat. Do you remember the moment where Jesus is on the boat with the disciples? He's resting. And the disciples are fearful. They believe they're going to die. The boat's rocking. And they wake Jesus up. Remember this? They're like, we're all going to die, Jesus. You've got to get up. And he goes, really? Be still. And he just goes, who controls the storms? God. So did God know that Jonah was going to get on a boat? You better believe it. Here's what's more. A big fish was created knowing that Jonah would run. This fish was directed by God to go, whoa, it's time. And this big fish swims over and goes, oh, there he is. It's a little bit of Pac-Man action for y'all. All of this happens because God cares so much about people that he knows good and well will never say yes. They may make a heart change for a moment. And Jonah's about to show Nineveh exactly what that looks like. It just happens that Jonah's in the belly of this fish and he goes, hey, okay, so I was dying and I was like, Lord, I don't want to drown. And then you saved me. And so clearly now I'm going to follow through with what you asked me to do. Amen. That's the prayer he just prayed. That's that scripture. He doesn't say, God, I am, I repent. I cannot run from God. He just says, hey, I, I, I cried out because I was drowning. You saved me. My life was fading away. 
I guess people that cling to idols shouldn't do that. So uh, I'll fulfill what I vowed. And God goes, okay. All along knowing that Jonah wouldn't have his heart on it. God could have said, you know what? 40 days. You know what? How about we just end the story with Jonah in the belly of the fish? That's not what God did. He said, I want him to capture something. And I want a bunch of people in Amarillo, Texas in 2018 to capture the same story. And so, uh, hey fish, thank you for what you've done. Coincidentally, the cargo men on the boat, when confronted with the storm and when they throw Jonah overboard, who do they talk to? They talk to God. They have a repentant heart. Even the fish in this story listens to God. The only person in this story that doesn't listen to God is Jonah and us. It's crazy, right? But here's the problem. Too often, our repentance to God is due to circumstances and not heart correction. We find ourselves in circumstances, so then we repent. Not because we see a heart condition that needs to be fixed, but because an external that has happened. And the problem with that is the Lord knows our hearts. So as much lip service to God that we want to give doesn't matter. God knows our hearts. Which is the real issue, I believe, in an invitation. And stick with me. I believe there's been thousands upon thousands of people who have walked aisles in churches or at camps or at retreats who have given God a great lip service of salvation moment, but never a heart conditional change. And there's many that Scripture says that on that day will stand before God and He will say to them, I don't know you. Even so much that they would say, but didn't you see all the good stuff I did, God? Do you see all the works I did? Surely that means something. And God goes, no, no, no. Not a circumstance. It's a heart. It's a heart. Does God know the rest of Jonah's story? Yes. So why would God allow the fish to throw Jonah up? So that you and I would learn the lesson that Jonah lived out. It's difficult. There's this pastor named Ken Gobb. Ken Gobb was uh, pretty influential in his day. He, uh, he began to tell people all about his time in the ministry. He began to share with people all over. He had a, a syndicated ministry uh, a program that went all the way out uh, amongst the nation. He's in California, and, and so his family decided he needed some time off. It had been a while. So he gathered his family up, and, and off they went. They were headed towards Washington. And so they loaded up the car, and they started driving, and they'd driven some distance for a while, and, 
And Ken was just starting to unravel ministry. And as ministers, you had to find time to do this because it's, it's not just a job, it's spiritual. And so you got to find times to kind of roll ministry up and kind of get back to normal, work on your walk. And so that's what he's doing. So he parked the car at a gas station. And he, he sent his family in and he said, hey, I'm going to go next door to this Dairy Queen and, and just get a shake here in a minute. Y'all go in, do your thing, and I'll meet you back at the car. And they all agreed. All the family went in. Ken started walking towards Dairy Queen. I'm going to date this story for a minute because what happens next is interesting. Ken had walked out of Dairy Queen with his milkshake, and there was a phone booth there. And the phone began to ring. And Ken went, Ken went uh, what's the likelihood that's anything? And it just kept ringing. And so curiosity got to him, and, and he went to the phone booth, and he answered the phone. And the operator said, is this Ken Gobb? And he went, <laughs> what? She said, I have a collect call for a Ken Gobb. And he said, uh, I'm Ken Gobb. And the voice on the other end said, that's him. That's him. Put me through. And he said, okay. And this lady was on the other line, and she said, Pastor Ken, I, I listen to you every week. And last night, I, I lost a friend um, my, my job's not looking real promising. So this morning, I decided that I was going to end my life. And she goes, in that moment, I was watching your sermon, and you just said you should reach out to someone. And she goes, so I prayed, God, if, if I could talk to Pastor Ken, I believe that I would save my life today. And so she prayed, God, give me a phone number. This is prior to days of the interwebs. And so... She just prayed, and God gave her a phone number. She wrote it down, and she called it. Ken was in Ohio at a phone booth. As he's talking to this lady, he said, how did you get this number? He said, I don't know. What are you supposed to do? He said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? She goes, I don't even know what that means. And so there in Ohio at a phone booth, at a place that Ken had no really reason for being there outside of a Dairy Queen, Ken led this woman to the Lord. After it was over with, he invited her to find a local church and, and got her number and information so he could connect her with a church close to her. He hung up the phone and and just sat there in tears for a moment. He walked to his car and his wife and kids were there and they looked at him and said, are you, are you okay? And in his mind, he believed that no one would believe his story. Who would believe a story of a pastor just driving to Washington in Ohio at a Dairy Queen, picking up a payphone that was ringing and the woman on the other end asking for him he looked at his wife and he said, you're not going to believe what happened. And she listened to his story and after it was over with, she said, God knows where we are. Does God know where you are? Does he know you're here this morning? I believe with all my heart, he knows you're here. You're here for a reason today and you have a purpose because God created that purpose. He knit you together. 
Even your bones aren't hidden from him. And because of that, today you should trust him. Because the God that made a big fish swallow a man, a God that brought up a storm and sent a boat out at a certain time, is the same God of today. The only difference in the two stories is this. In Jonah's day, there was no Savior. He was waiting. And all the other prophets were preaching about him, except for one. Just Jonah. Just Jonah. And because of that, history was changed for us. My prayer today for you and I is this, that we would listen to Jonah's story and that we would hear it today and that we wouldn't live it. Don't be a Jonah. Listen to God and follow him. Today, he's calling you to a relationship with himself. I mean, God that created the heavens and the earth and created you wants a relationship with you. He wants to speak over your life and lead you the rest of your life. And that's powerful. So today, if you need this Jesus, I want to give you an invitation. Here in just a minute, there's a few of us that'll be down here. We're going to invite you to come. If you don't know the next step, we'd love to talk to you about it. We want to share with you what it means to give your life to Jesus. And then the next steps afterward. Because we believe that God changes lives and he wants to change yours. So today, listen to the Lord. Here's what I want you to do for just a few seconds. Just bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you to listen for a minute. Just a few seconds of quiet. I believe the Lord is calling people. I believe he's speaking to people. And because I believe he wants to speak to you. So this morning, will you listen? Father God, do what only you can do by the power of your Holy Spirit move in our lives. Change this very atmosphere. God, you are great and you're holy. You are powerful. So God, would you move? Lord, let us hear from you and move the right direction. No more running. No more hiding because there is no such thing. We're always found by you. So Lord, speak of our hearts. Lead people to connect with you deeply today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You